Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Matt Frankel. He is a certified financial planner and investment advisor based in Columbia, South Carolina. He is also a contributor to The Ascent, which is a personal finance newsletter, part of the Motley Fool uh, Company. Welcome very much to the the Money Answer Show, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Just give us a little bit of your background before we get into all these different personal financial topics. Sure. Well, I'm actually a a former teacher. I call myself a reformed teacher. Um, I used to teach high school math, and one of my biggest complaints was that there's a big lack of personal financial education in America, just period. I, I've taught at the high school and college level, and same thing. There's a lot of basic financial topics that aren't getting the coverage they deserve. I've always been kind of an investment buff, which is how I got into The Motley Fool. And one thing led to another, and I kind of combined my love for teaching and personal finance to um, help start The Ascent, which we launched uh, about two years ago. And it's the rest is history. Uh, it's bu- It's built up quite a bit. Tell us a little bit about the ascent. What people, what can people get there? What's free and what's charged? Just describe a little bit about the ascent. Sure. Well, we are a totally free website. We specialize in personal financial advice and product reviews. Um, the thing that separates us from a lot of our competitors is that we we are uh, we we remove the bias, um, if you will. We we do a completely objective review on things like bank accounts, um, mortgage products. Uh, the private student loans, um, things like that. And um, we, we really try to you know, use our, our expertise and experience to really just give a complete, honest review. And, it's, and in addition to that, you can find just some great financial advice on there. We have, like, for example, right now we have a lot of COVID-19 um, resources. We actually did a, a separate article for every state on how to claim unemployment uh, is one thing you can find on our website. Right. And just give people the website so they can find it. Sure. It is www.fool.com backslash the hyphen ascent. A-S-C-E-N-T. Correct. Um, and so it's a subscription. It's free, but you subscribe to it and then you get it every every day, every week. Uh, How often does it come? Well, you could subscribe for updates, but you could just check out the site at any time. We have our featured articles. And if you go to the top, you can see all of our product reviews whenever you'd like. Excellent. All right. So let's kind of start about the economic situation we're in right now. We were, the economy is pretty much in, in lockdown. Unemployment has soared. You've done some recent surveys. Give us some of the results of some of the surveys about how Americans feel about their finances in this very unusual situation. Well, not surprisingly, over 60% of Americans say that they're worried about their finances right now. So that's the non-surprising statistic. Um, of Americans have said they have delayed a a life event, like, for example, having a child or getting married or or retiring um, because of the coronavirus outbreak. Um, Not terribly surprising, especially given the record-breaking unemployment numbers. Um, I can't honestly say that if I didn't have a job, my wife and I would have been as comfortable having a child, for example. So... Um, 52% of Americans say they've lost some level of income. Um, unfortunately, 43% say they're relying more on their credit cards to make it by. We have mixed mixed feelings about that one. Um, and then uh, as far as the government's efforts to help, uh, stimulus checks, 
Um, it looks like people are actually using it very responsibly. 37% say they're going to use the money to pay bills. Uh, 26% say they're going to save the money. Um, 20% say they're using it for necessities. And almost nobody says they're going to use it to, you know, to just splurge or go on a shopping spree or something like that. So we're actually seeing some pretty encouraging statistics to go along with the, the downsides going on. So you say 60% are worried about their finances. Specifically, what are they worried about most? Um, mainly, it seems they're worried about income um, and their investments. The uh, 401ks are a big concern. Um, as a financial planner, the number one question I get right from clients is, what do I do with my 401k now? Um, so in, investments are a big concern, um, and that's especially true if people have seen income disruption. They want to know if they should you know, move their 401k to cash or, or things like that. So let's talk about that. So somebody who say in their 20s or 30s, they have many years to go before retirement, and say they've got a kind of aggressive-oriented uh, allocation in their 401k, should they change their allocation if the stock market's going to go down a lot more, or should they hang in there? What, what allocation would you recommend for 401k participants? Well, the important thing to know is that nobody knows what's going to happen in the stock market in the short term. Nobody. Um, anybody who tells you they know that the stock market's going to retest the lows, for example, is lying to you. They don't know that. It could happen. It could not. So your retirement savings are a long-term investment vehicle, and it's important to treat them that way. So my answer to most of my clients when they say, what should I do in my 401k is absolutely nothing. Um, the the stock market, even right now, is about 20% off of its all-time highs. And historically speaking, that's a fantastic time to invest. So, and, it, and it's historically a very bad time to move money out of stocks. So for younger clients, the advice is to do nothing. For older clients, it's, it could be a good idea to do a little rebalancing if the market correction has kind of thrown your stock and bond allocation out of whack. Um, for example, bonds really haven't done much this year. It, if anything, they've, bond funds have gone up. Uh, by a percentage or two in my clients' accounts. So if that happens and stocks fall down, then now too much of their accounts could be in bonds and it might be worth rebalancing a little bit. But other than that, um, the best thing you can do is, one, don't check it every day and obsess over it. And two, don't make any sudden knee-jerk reactions like moving to cash or even worse, withdrawing the money if you don't need it. How about if you're really near retirement? You say within six months of retirement, you're 64, something like that. You've lost thousands of dollars because the market's down and you're worried about losing more, uh, should you move to cash before you retire? Well, if if you're that close to retirement, you should already have a relatively low risk asset allocation anyway, uh, meaning that you should have more fixed income than stocks at that point. If you don't, it's definitely a good time to do it. Um, as far as moving to cash, it's not totally necessary, but definitely if you want to shift some money out of stocks and into kind of lower risk assets like bonds, it might be a good idea at this point. And how about contributing to your 401k? Some people are saying they just can't afford to contribute anymore, even if they're still employed. Some employers have cut back or eliminated their matches. Uh, if people need a source of cash, is stopping contributing, contributing to your 401k a good idea? Well, if you need the money, if you're experiencing, if you or your spouse, for example, are experiencing some sort of financial hardship as a result of this, then absolutely take care of your immediate needs first. If you if you haven't experienced income disruption and you can still afford to contribute to 401k, as as 
as I said, it's historically this is a great time to invest. Um, if you had invested when the market had dropped 20% and during the financial crisis, for example, even though it ended up falling further, you still would have been in a great position long term. So don't stop investing just because of this. Stop investing if you need the money, but don't stop investing just because you're worried about what the stock market's going to do in the near term. Yeah. So let's talk about the stimulus checks a little bit. So they were sent out. I think I heard about a quarter of Americans have gotten them so far. Uh, a lot of people have the wrong bank accounts or one way or the other, you know, they haven't filed electronically. Um, what is the right thing to do with a stimulus check? Say you don't need it for necessities. Should you save it or what should you do with it? Sure. So I, I generally tell people in this order is what you should do with it. One, like you said, necessities. Um, if you've had income disruption, make sure your current needs are met. That's number one. The second thing is if you have any high interest debt, that's number two. If you have, you know, credit card bills that you could pay off. Um, anything at high interest rates that is what what you would call a bad debt, get rid of that. Number three is emergency savings. If you, um, I've heard something like half of Americans couldn't cover a five hundred dollar expense without using a credit card. If you're in that half of Americans, then saving for um, saving for an emergency fund is a great use of the, the money. And if all of those are are taken care of, then it could be a good idea to think about investing the money. Um, I've had a lot of friends who invest and a lot of clients who invest the, their stimulus checks, and they I've had them all go through that kind of you know three-step process before deciding if it was a good use of the funds. Now, we've just renewed the uh, Paycheck Protection Program, the PPP, for small businesses to keep employees on the payroll. Do you think we may get future stimulus checks after this one? Um, it's entirely possible. The, the, the big X factor is how long is this going to last when is the economy going to start getting back to normal? And when we start seeing the actual unemployment rate as a result of this, you might see some more um, goings on in Congress about getting a second round of stimulus checks out. But and you got to remember, it's not just the stimulus checks that we're seeing. It's also these enhanced unemployment benefits that are in place through the end of July that are really helping. Um, in a lot of cases, people are getting more money from unemployment than they were from their jobs with the extra $600 a week. So that itself is a form of stimulus. But if there, it looks like the economic damage is going to be a lot worse than originally thought, then it's entirely possible we'll see another another round of stimulus checks. So you're a financial planner. You're planning ahead. When there's uncertainty, as there is now, how long is it going to be lasting? How deep it's going to be? There's kind of a best case scenario and a worst case scenario. So take us through first the best case scenario and how you should be planning according to that, saying, this is a V-shaped recovery. Uh, you know, people get their jobs back. Just kind of describe what would be involved in planning for a best case scenario, and then we'll do the worst case scenario. Well, best case scenario, I would say, would be that by that July 31st date, when you know the the CARES Act unemployment provision is going to run out, everything's essentially back to normal. I don't view that as particularly likely. I think that some measures are going to be kept in place a lot longer than that. But if it is a V-shaped recovery then the stimulus package might have actually been a little bit of overkill um, in, in terms of too much money pumped into the economy. Um, if that's the case, then and everyone gets their jobs back and everything goes back to normal right away, then it's an ideal situation. There's not a, a ton that you need to do differently. And let's talk about the other side. Say it's a worst-case scenario. Uh, stimulus hasn't worked. Unemployment keeps going up. Companies are not hiring back. The virus is still around. How do you plan for that? 
Well, that's the tougher call, and that largely depends on the government response. So far, I mean, people have different feelings about the government's prevention for the pandemic itself and their reaction to the virus itself. But on the fiscal side, it seems like they're doing everything right at this point. So I have no reason to believe that if this lasts longer than expected, there won't be more stimulus efforts. They won't extend the enhanced unemployment, for example, things like that. So if you're It's a good idea to err on the side of caution with your personal finances. Cut out unnecessary expenses. Now, the advice toward that could be a little different during this than under normal circumstances. For example, I couldn't in good conscience tell someone who's stuck at home to cut their Netflix subscription. But there's a lot of ways you could go about trimming expenses, um, order out for food less, things like that. And definitely err on the side of caution is, is what I would say if you're concerned about a worst case scenario. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Matt Frankel. Uh, he is a contributor to The Ascent, which is a, a free newsletter about personal finances from The Motley Fool. You can find out more at uh, fool.com slash the hyphen A-S-C-E-N-T. We'll be back after this. I'd like to tell you about a new app I've recently signed up for called Masterclass. It offers 75 exclusive classes on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class masters at the top of their fields. Each class is broken out into individual cinema-quality video lessons and downloadable materials, which you can explore at your own pace. You can access your master classes on your Android or Apple phone, computer or Apple TV or Amazon Fire TV. Some lessons show you how to execute a technique, such as cooking or shooting a basketball. Others give you the master's insight on their craft, which can be translated across many disciplines. For example, learn from Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, who teaches business strategy, or Annie Leibovitz, who teaches photography. I tried several classes, and my favorites were Bob Woodward on investigative reporting and Chris Voss, an FBI hostage negotiator, on the art of negotiation. These people teach from their real-life experience, which is what makes it so helpful and credible. Most lessons last just 10 to 15 minutes. In addition to the video lessons, Masterclass provides you with downloadable lesson recaps and supplemental materials. For example, cooking classes come with guides and recipes that look like high-level cookbooks. Users give Masterclass an average rating of 4.7 out of 5, but just in case you're not satisfied, you can get a full refund within 30 days of signing up for an annual all-access pass. I highly recommend that you check it out. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass, and as a Money Answer Show listener, you can get a 15% discount off the annual all-access pass. Go to masterclass.com slash money. That's masterclass.com slash money for 15% off Masterclass. Expand your world and knowledge with Masterclass. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Your leadership journey must be a continuous process of education and improvement. If you think you've learned all you need to know, think again. Find out the latest from contemporary authors on topics from character to values and everything in between. Discover insights into servant leader fundamentals along with your host, Tom Crea. Tune into Your Evolving Leadership Journey, Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Matt Frankel. He's a contributor to The Ascent, which is a personal finance newsletter, free newsletter online provided by The Motley Fool. You can find out more at fool.com backslash the hyphen ascent, A-S-C-E-N-T. Welcome back to the show, Matt. Thank you. It's been fun so far. Glad to be here. So the big thing people are asking today is what if you just don't have the money to pay your bills. So let's start in certain areas. Let's start with housing. So sure. you can't, don't have enough money to pay your rent or your mortgage. Now, there have been some temporary uh, stoppings of foreclosures and evictions, but how are you supposed to negotiate with your landlord and, and still keep a roof over your head? Um, so, yes, they, they've stopped evictions. Um, if you pay a mortgage, 95% of mortgages are federally backed meaning that they're either backed by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or you have a FHA or VA mortgage. Um, those are all entitled to up to one year of loan forbearance. Um, all you have to do is call your lender and ask for it. That's part of the CARES Act. It's guaranteed. Um, and as far as landlord assistance, most jurisdictions have put a, a complete hold on evictions. That doesn't necessarily mean you don't have to pay your rent. It just means that it'll you can't be evicted for the time being. Once this is over, the rent will come due. Um, having said that, I'm a landlord myself. I own a couple of investment properties. La- landlords, for the most part, everyone I've talked to anyway, is more than willing to work with tenants who are affected by this. Um, I have uh, tenants in one of my properties that are restaurant employees, and I'm working with them. So it's it, it, the key point with pretty much everything that we're going to talk about is just pick up the phone, Pick, or go to your computer, email, make make contact because they're not going to just forgive your rent automatically. You need to call and explain your situation. But most have been very, very good about working with people. What, what if you literally have no money? I mean, you, you're, you've lost your job. You had no savings. As you said, lots of people have saved very little or nothing. And you, you literally can make no payments on either your rent or mortgage. Uh, how, how can you negotiate in a case like that? Well, make your case known. Um, it's not in anyone's best interest, landlord or tenant, to have a, you know, a, an eviction. 
So landlords are more than willing to work with people in most cases. If you've lost your job, I would say go file for unemployment right away. A lot of people don't realize that unemployment benefits have been extended to people who don't normally qualify, like self-employed uh, independent contractors. You know, For example, if you drive an Uber and you can't do that right now, unemployment could cover you uh, where it normally wouldn't. So definitely go um, apply for unemployment right away. Let your landlord or lender know the steps you're taking to deal with the problem. Say, I don't have anything right now, but I'm doing X, Y, and Z that should let me get caught up at a certain date. So if you don't have any money, can't make any payments, let your landlord know and take the appropriate steps to to fix the problem. And, and you'll be surprised how, how far that'll go in most cases. So is the rent and mortgage payments that are not being paid now going to accrue and people are still going to owe it? It's going to be a huge burden on people to make up three or four months of rent or mortgage payments later. How, how are people going to be able to do that? Well, it depends. Uh, it depends on the situation. Um, with landlords, a lot of landlords, myself included, are letting tenants apply their security deposit toward rent. Um, for example, when my tenants moved in, we collected a month's security deposit. And I tell people if they would need to use that for April or May's rent, then you have that money there available. So there's things like that. Um, with mortgages, Generally, what's happening is people are adding it to the end of their mortgage. In other words, instead of three months of mortgage payments coming due immediately, their mortgage term will just be extended by three months and they'll make three extra mortgage payments at, in years in the future. So ask your lender about options. Most lenders are not doing lump sum payments. Um, they, they, you can either add it to your payments spread out over the remaining loan term, add it to the end of the loan term. A lot of landlords are doing something similar, like instead of paying an extra $1,000 all at once, you'd pay an extra $100 for the next 10 months to get caught up. So offer something like that if your landlord doesn't mention it first. Um, but there, you should by no means have to do a lump sum at the end of this. Landlords and, and lenders are not expecting anyone to come up with that much money. So if you're a landlord and your tenants are not paying you and you still have to make your mortgage payment, uh, do you explain that to your mortgage company? Because it kind of is a daisy chain. It moves its way through the economy. Right. Well, I, investment property mortgages are a different animal. A lot of them are not federally backed. If you, you know, went through a conventional lender, then it is. But if you went through an investment lender, like one of mine is, then you are not allowed to suspend your payments. Um, I generally advise people not to get into real estate investing unless they have at least six months worth of, worth of payments in reserves. And this is a situation that that's for. I mean, I'm tapping into my own reserves too keep one of my mortgages current on an investment property. Um, if you do have a federally backed mortgage, absolutely call your lender and explain that your tenants aren't paying and that you need a, a mortgage forbearance. But it, and if not, even, even if you don't, call your lender and a lot of them are offering forbearance options. I'm fortunate enough that I do have reserves that I don't have to worry about that. But if you're in a position where you're having trouble paying the mortgage on, say, an investment property and are worried about your tenants not paying rent, call your lender and let them know what's going on and like I said, pretty much every financial institution of every kind has been fantastic about working with with their their borrowers. And how about on commercial? So say you have a building that has a restaurant in it that's closed or some kind of a business that's closed, that's forced to close by the government and they can't afford to pay their rent. Is it the same situation? And they may not come back. Yeah, that's true. Um, it, 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 evictions and vacancies, especially in commercial buildings, are in nobody's best interest. So it's the best thing to do is ha have an honest conversation and come, a, come to a 
kind of amicable agreement that works for everybody, maybe paying half of the rent while this is going on or or adding a little bit to the end of the loan, the lease term or, or something to that effect. But like I said, evictions and vacancies are in nobody's best interest. Nobody wants that. So it's really important to talk to people in this situation. Also in the real estate area, is this a good time to buy a home or sell a home? How is this whole situation going to affect uh, the residential real estate market? Well, nobody knows for sure. What I will say is that real estate is kind of a lagging indicator of the economy. In other words, when the economy gets bad, you won't see a wave of foreclosures and stuff like that right away. People might have enough money to pay their mortgage for another few months. Then they, the foreclosure process happens. Then you see things really start to get bad. So home prices tend to lag behind the market. It, after the 2008-09 financial crisis, for example, the real estate market didn't bottom till 2012. So there's no, it, and this is a completely different economic situation, obviously, but real estate does tend to lag the economy. Um, my general advice is if you don't need to move right now, it might be a good idea to just hold off until this is over. Um, one, it's really tough to go through the mortgage process and close when non-essential businesses are closed. Most jurisdictions actually have um, something called a coronavirus addendum to the contracts that are you know official documents for this purpose. So it's taking a lot longer to close. It's really tough to go look at houses. Um, as far as home prices, if this follows other recent crises, uh, home prices may drop a little bit a year, a year and a half from now. But there's no way to know for sure. Um, but it, this shouldn't be a good catalyst for the real estate market. I could put it that way. Yeah. If you're a buyer, though, there may be fewer buyers in the market, and you may be able to get a better price if there's more sellers than there are buyers. It seems like the uh, balance has changed. There used to be too many buyers and not enough sellers. Do you think it's gone the other way now? Well, the early indications is that it's still a seller's market. Sellers are taking their homes off the market quicker than buyers are leaving the market. So it's actually a, a dynamic where sellers really haven't been too keen to cut their prices or, or you know, entertain. It, it, it's not becoming a buyer's market just yet. Like I said, real estate tends to lag. So if it does become a buyer's market, I don't expect it to happen immediately. Um, these things take a little while to work their way through the economy. And how about refinancing your mortgage? We've seen mortgage rates go down to levels we've never seen in our lifetime. Is this a good time to refinance? Well, yes, and not just because you're seeing interest rates so low. It's because you're seeing interest rates so low and banks are tightening up their credit standards. Uh, we recently heard from J.P. Morgan Chase, for example, one of the largest mortgage lenders, that now if you want if you want to be a new client, you need to have a 700 credit score and 20% down for a new – that's for a purchase mortgage. But a lot of banks are doing similar kind of tightenings for refinancings. So unless if you have excellent credit, it's a good time to refinance your home. Um, and even if, if you don't, it's really a good time because banks tend to tighten up your standards as, as a situation like this progresses. But you're saying a lot of people might not qualify if their credit score has gone down, if they lost either their job or their income is down, they're not going to be as strong a looking a borrower. Well, that's true. And it's also important to note that when you see that, that interest rates are at record lows, for example, that that doesn't necessarily mean everybody's getting that rate. Those are definitely based on credit scores as well. So if, you're in, if your credit score has gone down, the interest rate you get on a refinance might not be as, as much better than you think is what you're paying right now. Um, so with refinancing, it's always a question of does the savings justify 
the amount it's going to cost you to get the loan. Well, refinancings always have some sort of closing costs. So you have to be sure that the, the long-term savings justify that. And it, depending on your credit score, the refinancing rate you get, that might, may or may not be true. Yeah, very good. Okay, we're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Matt Frankel. He's a contributor on personal financial topics at The Ascent, which is a free newsletter you can get uh, put out by The Motley Fool. Uh, you can find out more at fool.com slash the hyphen A-S-C-E-N-T, The Ascent. We'll be back after this. Okay, so now we all know that ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Now that so many of us are stuck at home, it's only a matter of time until you run out of stuff to watch on the American version of Netflix. So this whole week, I've been using ExpressVPN to binge watch Star Trek Discovery on Netflix in the UK and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on Netflix Australia. It's so simple to do. I just fire up the ExpressVPN app, change my location to the UK or Australia, refresh, refresh Netflix, and that's it. See, ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you, where you want the sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. Love anime? Use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix and be spirited away. But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, such as Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows is it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD with no problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. And so you can watch what you want on your personal device or the big screen, wherever you are. Visit my special link right now at expressvpn.com slash moneyanswers. You can get extra three months worth of ExpressVPN for free. Support the show, watch what you want wherever it may be playing in the world, and protect yourself with ExpressVPN at expressvpn.com slash moneyanswers. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Matt Frankel. He's a contributing writer at The Ascent, which is a free uh, personal finance newsletter put out by The Motley Fool. You can find out more about it at fool.com slash the ascent with a hyphen between the and ascent. Welcome back to the show, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. It's been so much fun so far. I can't wait to see what the next half hour brings. <laughs> well, let's talk about credit because what if people cannot make their credit card payments, even if they can't make the minimum payments, can you work with the credit card companies and, and what is going to be the impact of this whole crisis on people's credit scores? Ooh, that's tough to say. Um, as far as if you can't make your payments, the best thing to do is not just contact your your credit card issuers. A lot of them, you know, have ways you can even just take steps online. Um, for example, I'm looking at Capital One's website right now, and they have a COVID nineteen resource right at the top of the thing, or right at the top of their homepage, so you can figure out exactly what you need to do if you're having trouble with your monthly payments. Um, a lot of credit card companies are letting you postpone your payments during the situation. And if you have an official postponement, as in you've talked to your your credit card issuer, you've gotten something in writing or through email or something saying you don't have to pay, that shouldn't have an adverse effect on your credit score. If you just stop paying and then call later on, that's not necessarily going to be the case. So a lot of credit card companies are even letting you you know hit the pause button directly online. Um, but pretty much all of the major credit card issues are willing to work with people. They advise that call times might take forever. Um, so be prepared to wait on hold if you, if you need to, if you're calling on the phone. Um, but having said that, there's a lot of options that shouldn't necessarily affect your credit score. I do think Americans' credit scores are going to go down as a whole after this. And I'll tell you why. You've seen over the past, since the financial crisis ended, you've seen the average credit score, FICO score rather, in America steadily grow from about the 680 range to a little over 700 right now. Um, And the reasons for that is because it's been a great economy. It's been generally easy for people as a whole to pay their bills. Um, While there are ways for people to postpone their payments and do this the right way, some people unfortunately will not. So I do think that Americans' credit scores could suffer. I strongly, strongly encourage you to work with your creditors to make sure something like that doesn't happen. But uh, it's not going to happen to any listeners of this show. But. The, the theme of what you're saying all along is, is communicate. Communicate with your lenders, your landlords, your mortgage companies. Because if you just disappear, then trouble's going to happen. Is that right? Right. Well, I, I, I said earlier that 52% of Americans have lost in, income due to coronavirus. That also means that nearly half of Americans have not at all. So your lender doesn't know who can and cannot make their payments. It's not like everybody's job has gone away. So, I mean, for example, like 
I'm fortunate enough that my job exists because I work from home. Um, and a lot of people are in the same boat. So it's important to let your lender know what's going on. They're not just going to postpone payments for everybody because, well, one, that's not necessary. And two, it's not good business on their part to kind of extend a financial benefit to somebody who doesn't really need it. So it's entirely on the consumer, unfortunately, to request this with the exception of your student loans. Those stopped automatically. Yeah. But if, if you are having trouble paying any of your bills, the key is communication. Like I said, most lenders are more than willing to work with people. It's in nobody's, if as a stock market guy myself, there's, it's in nobody's best interest for a credit card company to have to report, say, a 10% delinquency rate. That's in nobody's best interest, investors, credit card company, or the consumer. So they're more than willing to work with you. I would say take the time. Like I said, you're going to sit on hold because you're not the only one in this situation right now. Um, But take the time to make the effort to let them know what's going on and see your options because you might be surprised at how, how favorable some of them are, like postponing with no effect to your credit score. The banks have already taken huge reserves. I think Chase was like, $8 $8 billion against potential loan losses. That's credit cards, that's mortgages, that's small business loans. So they're expecting not to get paid, and they're already reserving for it to some extent. So that's kind of part of the message they're putting out, I guess you might say. Do you expect a kind of tightening of credit standards? One of the things that made the crash of 2008-2009 so horrific was the banks tightened up dramatically, cut people's credit lines, cut them off altogether. Coming out of this, if the banks are taking huge losses, do you expect credit to tighten up again? Yeah, and like I said, we're already seeing that in some of the mortgage markets. Um, and we're already getting some reports that banks are reducing um, users' credit limits without without letting them know. And, and generally, that goes from the bottom up. For example, the, the bank will do that to somebody with a 650 credit score before someone with a 750. Um, but it's it after the financial crisis, it was generally across the board. Um, I could see a similar thing happening Um that's why it's so having good credit is so important in a situation like this. If there's anything you could do to improve your credit score, this is the time. Um, even if it's just calling your creditors and working with them and continuing to make your minimum payments on time, anything you could do to make sure you get out of this with the, the best possible credit score. Because um, you you're co- absolutely correct. You do see credit standards tighten, and for good reason. Um, during pretty much every adverse economic environment, banks see an uptick in defaults. You mentioned that banks are setting aside billions of dollars with the anticipation that they're not going to get paid. And while they're not getting paid, they're not going to loan money to people who are borderline likely to pay them back but statistically. So it's important to be one of the people who the banks are pretty sure they're going to get paid back because credit never really dried up for people with stellar credit scores. Um, for example, my parents got a mortgage in 2009, which was arguably the worst time in the past 30 years to apply for a mortgage. So if, if you have good credit, it, it'll be there, but it's, it's, an, it's more important than ever in times like this to take special care to maximize your credit score. There are always people who try to take advantage of others, unfortunately, during these times of heightened concern and, and panic, actually. What are some of the scams you see out there, and how can people spot them? Oh, unfortunately, when a situation like this happens, you're right. They do tend to come out of the woodwork even more than normal. Um, one of the things you're seeing are IRS scams, especially involving the stimulus checks, which are starting to come out. Um 
the things to know to avoid the IRS scam. One, the IRS will never call you about your stimulus check. They will never email you about your stimulus check. They will definitely never text you about your stimulus check. And you will definitely not have to pay any money up front to get your stimulus check. So as long as you know what to look for in that regard, you're okay. The other scams you're seeing are a lot of work-from-home scams. A lot of people are unfortunately out of work. Um, and they know that people who work from home are still working. So you're getting a lot of scammers who are preying on that fact and pitching bogus work-from-home schemes that require people to put up a, an upfront fee to get the job, and then as soon as you put up the fee, they disappear. So you're seeing a lot of work-from-home scams. If anyone asks you to put up money ahead of time to get a job, it's probably not real. Um, and the third scam you're seeing a lot right now are, has to do with coronavirus treatments, people selling bogus treatments. There is no treatment that is proven effective on the coronavirus yet. So be careful if somebody, I don't know how anybody would get your patient records or something and know that you had it, but to sell preventatives or things like that, you're seeing a lot of these pop up um, and people are buying them. And there's the, the consumer, uh, the federal trade commission wants you to know that there is no such thing as a approved coronavirus treatment or preventative right now yeah let's talk about life insurance what if people do not have life insurance and they're worried about getting the virus and dying is this a good time to buy life insurance well what i will tell you that one of my best friends is in the life insurance business and he said in the first few weeks of this pandemic his business had never been higher uh, and for that exact reason you just said people are worried they're going to get this and die and want to make sure that their insurance is up to par i'd say it's a it's definitely a it's never a bad time to revisit your life insurance to make sure that your needs are met. Um, there's a bunch of calculators available online, some really good ones that'll tell you roughly how much life insurance you need. My general rule of thumb is 10 times your income is a good, a good place to, to shoot for. Um, a lot of life insurance agents are still operating remotely. Very few are, you know, have office hours right now, but a lot of them are still operating remotely. It's a good time to make sure you have enough coverage if you have life insurance and you're worried, it, it, you don't need a ton of it. Um, I would the the odds of you actually dying from this are still very very low. Um, so are insurance rates going to go up because of the threat of this, or actually is catching on to this? Uh, not necessarily, just because it's disproportionately affecting the older age groups of the population, which are already very very expensive to insure. The, the death rate for people under the age of 40 is, I think, 0.14%, I read today. Yeah. And, and that's, that's assuming that you get it. So it's not a significant difference. You might see a small uptick um, in insurance rates, but it, this really shouldn't play a big part in the actuarial cap calculations. If you're worried about it, should you do term or cash value policies? Um, depends on your, on your age. Um, if you're young, a term policy is generally always the way to go. Um, I can't remember ever recommending a whole life policy for a, a client under, say, 40. Um, for, for older Americans, a, a cash value policy could be the way to go, especially if you're just worried about expenses such as funeral costs and kind of smaller things like that. But it's, I, I generally recommend term coverage and then investing your, your money because term coverage is significantly cheaper and generally does what, it, what you need it to do. I'd like to tell you about a new app I've recently signed up for called Masterclass. It offers 75 exclusive classes on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class masters 
at the top of their fields. Each class is broken down into individual cinema quality video lessons and downloadable materials which you can explore at your own pace. You can access your master classes on your Android or Apple phone, computer or Apple TV, or Amazon Fire TV. Some lessons show you how to execute a technique such as cooking or shooting a basketball. Others give you the master's insight on their craft, which can be translated across many disciplines. For example, learn from Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, who teaches business strategy, or Annie Leibovitz, who teaches photography. I tried several classes, and my favorites were Bob Woodward on investigative reporting and Chris Voss, an FBI hostage negotiator, on the art of negotiation. These people teach from their real-life experience, which is what makes it so helpful and credible. Most lessons last just 10 to 15 minutes. In addition to the video lessons, Masterclass provides you with downloadable lesson recaps and supplemental materials. For example, cooking classes come with guides and recipes that look like a high-level cookbook. Users give Masterclass an average rating of 4.7 out of 5, but just in case you're not satisfied, you can get a full refund within 30 days of signing up for the annual All Access Pass. I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass, and as a Money Answer Show listener, you get a 15% discount off the annual All Access Pass. Go to masterclass.com slash money. That's masterclass.com slash money for 15% off Masterclass. Expand your world and knowledge with Masterclass. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Matt Frankel. He's a contributing writer at The Ascent, which is a free uh, personal finance newsletter offered by The Motley Fool at fool.com slash the hyphen ascent. Welcome back to the show, Matt. Thank you. It's been so much fun so far. I'm ready for the lightning round. All right. Health insurance. <laughs> so what should people do? Are health insurance rates going to go up because all these people are getting sick and dying? Uh, there's so many different dynamics that drives health, insur- health insurance rates, but um, I don't think the COVID pandemic is going to have a huge impact on it all by itself. Okay. How about the tax system? Now, we've, they've changed the tax filing date to July 15th. Is there anything you should do to change your tax filing in light of the situation? Um, Not necessarily, but definitely take advantage of the extra time if you need extra time to pay. Um, If you're due a refund, obviously file right away. Um, 
it could be a good idea also if you haven't maxed out your your retirement contributions for 2019 yet. You could still do that with with an IRA up until the new tax deadline. It's interesting to point out. So if you want to save some money on your taxes, that could be a way to still do it. So is this the time to take a cheap vacation? Because uh, airfares are way down, hotel rates are way down. It's probably the cheapest time you ever. So is this a good time to take a really cheap vacation? Not necessarily a good time to take one, but it's definitely a good time to book one. I, I'll tell you um, firsthand that I've I booked a total of three West Coast trips between September and January. I live on the East Coast, and I paid less than four hundred dollars total for for my flights. So it's it could be a good time to book something further out. And and um, there's the cancellation and change policies have never been more flexible. So that's it's a good time to book something if you want to. So, so you have a kid who's planning on going to college, maybe he's a junior or even a senior. How should the calculation towards college change by what's happened here? And maybe colleges won't even be open in the fall. That's true. Um, it, I've read that a lot of parents are, are taking their kids, you know, encouraging either a gap year or to spend a year at a two-year college because a lot of parents believe, and, and students too, there, there's not as much value in online instruction. And as a former college professor myself, I can tell you that they're right. And there's a big question mark about whether colleges across the country will be able to open in August and September. I believe they will, but that's still a big question mark. So it could be a good idea to at least have a backup plan if you're not willing to do another semester of online classes. Is this going to give a big impetus to online learning? Well, it, it, there's, there's pros and cons. Um, online learning, it's, it's definitely showing that more people are able to earn, learn online than originally expected. And just like it's showing that more people are able to work at home than employers originally thought. But that doesn't mean there's as much value in it as, as in-person classes. Um, I could see, especially short-term, there being an uptick in people who want online learning even if college is open, there are, there's going to be a segment of the population that doesn't want to ex, you know, risk exposure to the virus or things like that. So I can see, at least in the short term, this could be a big catalyst for um, online learning. And what would you recommend for so-called graduates? They may not have graduations, but people who are going to leave their schools this spring, it's going to be a pretty horrible job market. What would you expect for them? Well, I got my, I, I finished school in 2009, which was the worst possible time to get a degree. So one thing, I, I mean, I'm suggesting go about the job application process just like you normally would, sharpen up your resume. And if you can't find a job, it's a good time to work on upgrading your skills. In other words, you know, maybe take an online course, something to put on the resume, learn a new, um, learn something new that you could use to stand out from the pack once this is all over with. Um, I mean, I, I, um, I started taking my teaching uh, master's degree during the, the 2009 crisis. So something that you don't have to get a master's degree, but use the time productively if you can't find a job. Is this a good time to start a business from home if you've been laid off? Uh, if you have a clear plan and something you want to do, then it could be a good time to start. But um, if you've been laid off, like I said, number one priority is get on the unemployment. Um, you get $600 extra a week on top of your state's benefits. Um, and with once you've done that, with that time, if you want to explore starting a, a home-based business, um, I can tell you, for example, my brother-in-law, he's starting his uh, home uh, business where he's power washing houses that he's always wanted to do. So, and um, so there's, there's, there's options there for people who want to start businesses. And if you're financially ready, it's a good time to do it. Don't, 
don't start without a plan is the big thing I can suggest. What do you think is going to happen with the pay, uh, payroll uh, protection, paycheck protection program, the PPP? It ran out of money in about two weeks. They've just renewed it. What do you think is going to run out of money again? Would they renew it again? I'd be surprised if it had money by this time next week. Um, I think that they're getting close to how much they're going to need, but I'm not discounting the possibility that there will be a third round of funding. Um, I personally think they should not necessarily write a blank check, but a, a larger amount than they think would completely fund the program. But I get that there's no targeted end date in sight to this yet, so that's tougher to do than it sounds. So what advice would you give for small business owners who have to be closed down by state mandate and they're supposed to keep paying their employees? How should they make this judgment about laying people off versus taking the PPP and all that they're going through right now? I mean, it's definitely a case-by-case basis. Um, if they're worried about surviving, uh, the PPP, it's not just for employee, it, um, for payroll. You can also get forgivable uh, loans for things like paying your rent, your mortgage, your, your cost of keeping your business going. So if you can comfortably afford all your other expenses, lay off employees, especially if they're going to do better for under unemployment than, than they would by being kept on payroll. I was reading one, one story about a, a business in Georgia who got a, P, a PPP loan and her, her employer, her employees hated her for it because they would have done better under unemployment. So it's definitely a case by case basis. Um, but it, it, it's it worth pointing out that the PPP loans are not just to protect paychecks. They're also to protect the business itself in, in the form of rent and mortgage payments. In about a minute or so we have left, just kind of summarize your advice on how people can get through this incredibly challenging time. Uh, the number one thing I could tell you is take a deep breath. This too shall pass. Focus on taking care of your family. Um, focus on your immediate needs before you worry about anything long term. Uh, don't pay too much attention to your 401k. Don't pay too much attention to what's going to happen down the road. And just be conservative with your finances. Take a breath and this will all be over hopefully sooner rather than later. I'm glad to hear it. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Matt Frankel. He's a contributing writer to The Ascent, which is a free newsletter about personal finance uh, from The Motley Fool. You can find out more at fool.com slash the hyphen ascent, A-S-C-E-N-T. Thanks so much for answering a lot of questions about this whole situation, Matt. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.